Welcome back to the Pioneer Broadcast. I'm John Clark, and on this edition of our program, we will continue our series of sermons on Romans 8.28, where Paul wrote, We know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to His purpose. This program will focus on the devil. You're going to be set free tonight from all fear of Lucifer. If you are looking for freedom in Christ, if you are wanting to be set free by the Son of Man, you stay tuned. Who is the devil? What is he like? There are layers of myths, layers of lies, which he invented concerning himself, which we will peel away and expose him to be what he really is, a weak, frightened, cowardly liar who intimidates only those who have not come to the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is available to you now on this broadcast concerning the devil so that you can be liberated to see him as he is and see God as he is. You stay with us. He's the fragrance of heaven, the man unleavened. He's the song of the songbirds, how sweetly they sing. He's the light of the morning, creation adorning. He's Jesus forever the same. I think we give the devil too much credit. Many times he is called our biggest enemy. I don't think that's true. I think our biggest enemy is our ignorance of God because Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now, if the truth has set you free, you're not bound. So your biggest enemy is what you don't know about God. Your biggest enemy is your ignorance of divine revelation. Your ignorance of God, your ignorance of yourself and your spiritual condition, your ignorance of Satan. Friends, it is the knowledge of God that sets us free. Do you want to be free? Well, let's consider now this creature called the devil and see him in a new light. Let's come to the truth concerning him so that we can come to the truth concerning God. Let's lay the groundwork now for the knowledge of God to burst into your soul. And I want you to feel the joy of being free from all fear except the fear of God. You need that. But you do not need your fear divided between God and the devil. There's no sense in that. There's no purpose in that. There's no good that comes from that. Now, as we continue our study of all things working together for our good, we have first, I think, to deal with an issue. And that issue is, if the devil is loose, running around doing whatsoever he pleases, wreaking havoc in the lives of the children of God, without God's knowledge, without God's approval, without God's will, then how can anything be working together for our good? It can't. If Satan is having his way, then nothing is working together for the good of those who love God. You see, it is a myth promulgated mainly by the spirit of Satan 
that there is a creature anywhere in creation who is beyond the limits of God's power, who either outwits or outmaneuvers or overpowers to any extent the will and the power of God. It simply does not occur. Now there is a scripture in 1 Peter and it says this, Be sober, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now any of you listening to me who have children in grammar school, you can ask them to tell you the difference between the word may, M-A-Y, and can, C-A-N. May implies that permission must be granted. Can implies power. The Bible does not say that the devil is walking about seeking whom he can devour. Because he can devour no one. He has no standing power to devour any person, much less those whose lives are hidden with Christ in God. But he is seeking some in the kingdom of God who are not being sober-minded, who are not being diligent in their prayer life, diligent in walking in holiness. Satan will seek permission to devour that individual. He sought permission to devour Peter. Luke 21, 31, I believe it is. He said, Peter, Satan has desired you. In other words, Satan has requested of God permission to devour you. He has desired you to sift you like wheat. But, Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Now, friends, Jesus makes intercession for the saints. The Holy Ghost in us makes intercession for for us to God according to the will of God. If we will be diligent and we will be sober, Satan will flee from us. Just as he flees from God because there's no point in him even trying to do anything to a child of God whom God is with and who's walking in the Spirit of God. The Bible says if you resist Satan, he'll flee from you. Flee, not just turn around and walk off and pout. He will run in the other direction. If you resist Him, but you have to resist Him with the power and the wisdom and the love of God. You cannot overcome Satan with a human nature, with human wisdom. Satan revels in the things that are of man. Satan revels in human nature. He revels in human strength. He revels in human wisdom. Jesus said so in Matthew 16 when Peter spoke to him unseasonably. When Peter was inspired, yes, by Satan, and Jesus turned to Peter in Matthew 16 and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Listen to this. He said, Thou, that is Satan, savorest, or you don't love the things that are of God, but you savor, you love those things which be of men. Satan loves for you to try to walk with God in your own strength in your own wisdom, in your own power, using your own talents, your own physical beauty. He loves for men to lean on the flesh. That's why we must be circumcised in our hearts to see beyond the flesh, to get in touch with a holy power that is not of our, of our own doing, of our own making. We must lay hold on eternal life. So the first thing to lay down is a foundation for your faith to believe that every circumstance in your life is being directed by God for your good. The first thing is to realize that Satan is not on the loose, just doing whatsoever he pleases. Most people have this most contradictory picture of Satan. 
as if Satan is running around doing, causing all this trouble and making all these plans and doing all this damage and God is just huffing and puffing behind him trying his best to, to fix everything and never can quite seem to catch up. Like Satan is always just one step ahead of God. Friends, we must get this myth about Satan just to get it out of our minds and it takes the Holy Ghost to do that. It takes spiritual wisdom to do that. If you want to be free in Jesus, if you really want to walk in utter peace and perfect confidence, then get your mind stayed on God. Learn to see God in the circumstances of your life. It took God in David to look up at that man who was cursing at him and throwing stones at him and say, God sent him to do that. It took God in Jesus, our Lord, to see the mob coming after him and say, The cup which my Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink it? You see, it took God to give them spiritual eyes to see beyond the flesh. Not to savor the things that be of men, but to savor the things that be of God and God's Spirit which is behind men, influencing them to do things for the good of those who love God. How did Lucifer ever obtain such a great reputation among us? How did he ever persuade us to think that he is the one that's in control of these circumstances of life? How did he do that? Obviously, he used lies. Jesus called Satan the father of lies. But the thing that I think we miss is that Satan not only lies about himself, I mean, not only lies about God, but also himself. He doesn't want us to see him as he really is any more than he wants us to see God as God really is. Because when we see God as he really is, Satan is out of the picture. I remember when the Holy Ghost spoke to me and it said these words, it tickles the devil for God's people to blame their troubles on him. That is on Satan. Satan loves for us to honor him with responsibility over the tragic events in our lives. Why? Because as long as we're blaming Satan when things go seemingly wrong in our lives, we're never searching for God's purpose. We never grow up. We never stop holding grudges. We never escape bitterness. We always harbor grudges when we're blaming somebody other than God for what God is doing to our lives. Jesus was made perfect by the things which he suffered, my friend, and God is using the sufferings in your life to perfect your faith. Submit to God. Submit to God. Learn to see God in the things which seem to be against you. Learn to see the hand of God in the events of your life. The tragic events, the happy events. The blessed events, the horrible events. Learn to understand that God is working all things together for your good. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 said, We have fathers according to the flesh in this world who chastened us according to their pleasure. But God chastens us that we might be partakers of His holiness. That we might be partakers of His divine nature. He said in that same chapter in Hebrews, chapter 12, 
He said, now no chastening for the present seemeth pleasant, but it's grievous. But if we'll submit to it, if we'll receive the chastisement of God, if we'll receive the teaching, the instruction of God's wisdom, we will become holy. We will learn of God. We will increase in the knowledge of God. We will accomplish God's purpose. As long as we're blaming Satan, we're not, we're not accomplishing God's purpose, and we're stuck in the mud. We're just spinning tires. We're not growing in grace. We're not growing in the knowledge of God. We're not being made more like Jesus. We're becoming more like Satan who's getting nowhere and can get nowhere because he sinned the great sin. Blasphemed the Holy Ghost. He lost out with God. He sinned knowing what he was doing. Ever since then, he's been lying about himself. He was an anointed cherub. And that's a small point, but let me point it out. Satan is not a fallen angel. He's a fallen cherub. Cherub are not angels. Seraphim are not angels. They're different species of heavenly beings. He was a cherub and he fell. He sinned. He was anointed. He walked up and down in the midst of fire. He was in heaven. He fell from heaven, but he was never second in power to God. Friend, there is no such thing as second in power to God. There is no such thing as third or fourth or fiftieth in power to God. As far as God is concerned, there's His power and then there's none else. There is no power against God. There is the power of God the Creator and then all in a straight line there's all other power. And, it's, and the powers you see which we discern as differing powers are only in relationship to each other and to us. There are men who are more powerful than others, but they're only more powerful than other men. There is no man that has any power against God. The same is true in the spiritual realm. There are angels with more power than others. There are cherub with more powers than others. There are seraphim with more powers than others, but it's all in comparison with each other. There is no comparison with any of them with the power of God. So Satan has lied to us as far as his power in ages past. He never had any second in power to God position. There was war in heaven one time. Revelation 12, 7 says so. But it was not Satan against God. You see, Satan has invented this picture of himself. He wants us to think that God can be overthrown and that he's the only one in all eternity with enough courage to have tried to do that. That is a lie. Satan is a coward when it comes to facing God. You know what the demons did when, they, when Jesus got close to them. They trembled. They screamed out. They said, We know who thou art, the Holy One of Israel. Have you come to torment us before the time? They weren't bold against Jesus. You could not have hired a demon to lay a hand on Jesus. You cannot hire Satan to make an attack on God. He trembles at the very thought. But he wants us to think that he was the only one courageous in, in all eternity to try to overthrow God. That's phony. That's a lie. That's a myth. Men were brave enough because they were ignorant enough of God to hurt Jesus. But men don't know God as well as demons do. Unless we're walking in the Spirit, unless you receive revelation from God, you don't know God as well as Satan. Friend, you need the revelation of God. You need to get in touch with the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost show you some things about God or you will be a sitting duck for demonic influences in your life. But the Holy Ghost will set you free. 
Satan never attacked God. That scene never existed. He wants the picture to be in our mind of God wringing His hands up in heaven about, oh no, where's the devil going to attack me next? Oh no, what am I going to do next? What is the devil up to? Friends, God is in absolute control of everything. God has never been nervous. He's never been afraid. He's never been intimidated. He's never even received any advice. He's, he come, oh, no, 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 no. God is God. And Satan trembles. And when we see God the way Satan sees God, we'll tremble too. And we'll stop believing Satan's lies, which encourage us to have faith in him as directing part of our lives. Now, in Isaiah 14, God did something for us. He did something for us which we could not have known. We could not have done for ourselves. He revealed to us Satan's original plan, his original scheme. His original scheme is shown to us in Isaiah 14, and we'll start at verse 12. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. This is Satan's plan now, and it had to be revealed to us because we wouldn't be able to know it. This is the deep, hidden wisdom which Satan perverted for evil. I will ascend into heaven... I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, his plan was not, I will replace the Most High. It was, I will be like the Most High. I will sit also on the throne. You see? It's not I will sit alone. He knew that he would never be able to replace the Creator. What he wanted was for you and for me and for the angels and for Adam and for Eve in the beginning to show him the love and the respect. Well, not the love, just the faith. He doesn't care whether we love him or not. He wants us to have faith in him, faith in his power. He wants that, that faith which was going to no one but God. All of God's creation, all in heaven, all on the earth, were looking to God in reverence and in faith to be right. Satan became envious of that. And so he said, I want to be like God. I want angels to look to me for direction and me to have some control over this creation as they look to God alone. I want to share God's glory. And so when he tempted Eve, I want you to notice something he never did. In Genesis chapter 3, he never asked Eve to eat the forbidden fruit. You can read it. It's not there. What he did was tell Eve this. He said, Eve, you will not die if you eat that fruit. God knows that if you eat that fruit, you will be like him. So he put that evil desire that was in his heart in her heart. And she mulled it over, and the serpent departed, and she mulled it over. We're not told how long she thought on this uh, seed, this evil seed that had been planted in her heart to be like God. But she was made to think that God told them not to eat that fruit so that he could keep them under his thumb. And she decided she wanted to be like God, and of her own will, she decided to put faith in the lie of Satan rather than put faith in the goodness of God which she had experienced. And so she approached the fruit and she ate it. 
And she suffered, and all of humanity has suffered since. Not because the devil made her do anything, but only because she believed a lie which Satan told her. If you believe Satan's lie, you'll end up thinking of him in terms which belong to no one but God. And it is going to amaze you, and it is going to amaze the human race when all things are revealed, when all secret things are exposed, it is going to amaze you what Satan really looks like. It says in Ezekiel 28, the people will be astonished at you. In Isaiah 14, it says you shall be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And they that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee. When we see Satan in the when you see Satan the way that God sees Satan, you're going to squint at him and say, Him? That's the one? Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That shook nations? That made the world as a wilderness? That destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of his prisoners? This is the one that so many people were afraid of? This is the one that told all those great lies and people believed it? Him? When we see Satan as he really is, we lose all respect for his power. When the Holy Ghost spoke to me, as I told you in 1981, that it tickles the devil for God's people to blame him for their troubles, all of a sudden out of my soul left a heavy burden. I'd always kind of worried a little bit about what Satan was up to. He was after me here. He was doing that. He was in that person treating me that way. Then when the Holy Ghost showed me that was not the right way to think of him, but to look to God in all things, working every word that was spoken to me, working every situation that confronted me out for my good, if I would submit and seek the will of God in that situation, a great burden left. And I say it this way. I lost sight of Satan. He is no more a part of my plans. No more a part of my faith. No more a part of my heart. He left me. I don't know where he went. Now I look to God to be in control of every situation that faces me. If it's something tragic, I fall on my face and ask God why. Seek God's purpose. Have you ever heard somebody say they don't question God? Friend, that's a person that will never get to know God. You question God. Job questioned God. Jesus questioned God. Jeremiah questioned God. Isaiah questioned God. And they questioned God and they got answers from God. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Or James said that. And Jesus said, ask. If a hard situation comes your way, you lose a loved one, you lose a job, you have something stolen from you, ask. Ask. Don't be empty-headed. Don't just cast it off as something the devil did to you and there's just no point in it, there's no purpose, there's no good to be found. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. It's part of our training. There has nothing befallen you. No temptation befallen you, Paul said, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. But will with the temptation make a way of escape. 
And the way of escape, my friend, is not to condemn others. It's not to put it off on Satan. The way of escape is to ask. The way of escape is to seek. The way of escape is to knock. And Jesus said, Everyone that seeketh findeth. Everyone that asketh receiveth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If you are thinking of Satan as having control of the circumstance of some of the circumstances, even one of the circumstances in your life, you have been conquered by his lying spirit. If you see him as God of the hard things in your life and Jesus as God of the good things, your faith is divided. You are an idolater. You have been conquered by Satan without even knowing it. Well, you say, but Satan destroyed some people in the New Testament. Yes, and Paul said that he turned them over to Satan. You see, being turned over to Satan is not a reason to fear Satan. It's all the more reason to fear the one who will turn you over to Satan. Satan has power. God created him with a certain amount of power against other creatures, but he has no power against God. And if God turns a person over to Satan to destroy him, Satan has to destroy him. Satan doesn't have any choice. Satan can't turn God down and say, I'm not going to destroy him. If God turns him over to Satan to be destroyed, he has to do the work. Satan cannot so much as stick his tongue out at you unless God says, stick it out. And then he's got to keep it stuck out as long as God says, stick it out. And he can't take that tongue back in until God says, take it back in. Our lives are in God's hands, friend, not the devil's. Even the devil's life is in God's hands. And it is a fearful thing, the Bible says, to fall into the hands of the living God. And I'm so glad that's where we are. Oh, wouldn't it be a horrible thing to think that we are in the hands of Satan and left up to his mercy? No, we're in the hands of God. And I wouldn't want to be any other place than in the hands of the one whose hands were pierced for me. And I intend to be diligent and sober so that I'll have peace with my God. Don't fear Satan. Fear God. For that is the beginning of wisdom. The kind of wisdom that knows that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. He's Jesus forever. Friend, it's not the devil who tries your faith. The Bible says over and over and over again, the Lord trieth the righteous. If your faith is being tried, it is being tried by God, not by the devil. And Paul said, don't worry about that because God knows how much your faith can stand. God will not put too much on you. Sometimes I think that God has more confidence in our faith than we do because he puts uh, many of us in situations wherein we think, well, will I ever get over this? How can I ever bear this? But God knows. God has confidence in us sometimes when I think that we don't. But that's part of the situation. We have, in this series on all things, studied the stories of the holiest men of faith. We've looked at Joseph, Abraham, Paul, 
Job, the prophets, and our Lord Jesus. And all of them looked at their sufferings and difficulties and even persecutions as being things that pertained to God, not to men. They held God responsible. And I think they were right to do that. I think that Jesus was right in saying of his crucifixion that it was the cup which his father had given him. I believe what Jesus said. I believe what Job said. I believe what Joseph said when he faced his brothers. He said, you didn't send me here into Egypt. God did, and he did it to, for me to save your lives. As I told you, I have some friends here with me. My brother Mike, Betty Pittman, Earl Pittman, and brother Glenn Bartow. And they have a story to tell. They have a testimony about how that understanding that all things are working together for good to them that love God, how that understanding has rescued them and blessed them in their lives. Do you know that when you say all things work together for good, that means that you can't justify holding a grudge against anybody? Amen. How can you be holding a grudge against anybody if everything's working together for your good? I don't believe that anybody can escape the root of bitterness as long as we see the devil in charge of something that's going on in our lives. That's right. How can you, Glenn? There, you can't. You, there's no way, there, there's absolutely no way that you can, can uh, believe that God is in charge, total charge of your life if you have something that somebody can do to you and you blaming them for it. That's right. Joseph didn't blame his brothers, did he? No, sir. No, sir. He said, God sent me here. Now, that took faith. When he was 17 years old, his brothers sold him into slavery, and he cried about it. That's right. The Bible mentions the anguish of his soul. He didn't want to be sold into slavery. But later, he began to discern the hand of God even in that child abuse. That's right. And that's really what it amounts to. I mean, you sell your brother into slavery... And he could have been sold into a, a man's hand that believed in child sacrifice. Joseph right. had no control over his future whatsoever. He didn't want to be in that situation, but God, God, God wanted him in that situation. And he wanted him in that situation for a good purpose. Now, the way that Joseph accomplished the purpose of God was in what? Obeying God. Damn, that's right. Even though the circumstances of his life turned against him, so to speak. He continued doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. When he was sold into Potiphar, what did he do? The best he could. He yeah. became the very most trustworthy servant Potiphar had. When he was lied against, and even Potiphar misunderstood him and threw him into prison, in prison he was the best prisoner in the camp. Amen. Mm -hmm. So, my friend, no matter what situation, no matter what misunderstanding, no matter how you've been stolen from or abused or mistreated, the way out is to continue to do good. Patience is continuing to do good. Patience is not a feeling. Patience is a doing. That's right. Patience is something you do. It's not something you feel. And to do good at all times is patience even when the things go against you. The Bible calls it patient continuance in well-doing. And, right. and to those who by patient continuance in well-doing, Mike, in Romans chapter 2, I have it right here, Paul said that God would give eternal life. It's in uh, 2, 7. He said, To them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, 
God will give eternal life. That's how you seek for immortality. That's right. Th this is how we seek to enter in through the narrow gate. We patiently continue to do what is right in the sight of the Lord. That's, that's what, you, what we fight back with. When we are cursed, we fight back with blessing. Good deeds. Amen. Do good to them that hate you and despitefully use you. Bless them which curse you. Be not overcome of evil. When you fight back against a wrong spirit with the same kind of spirit they're showing you, you've been overcome of evil. You have been overcome. Yeah, absolutely. It's not that you're in the warfare. You have, when, when we resort to evil to fight a war, spiritual warfare, we have been overcome by evil. Earl, I like what you brought out in the prayer meeting here a few months back. I guess it is now. Peace, for example, is a weapon. Yeah, that's right. Kindness, gentleness, faith. They're weapons that we are to use. Sometimes, John, just saying nothing is the right kind of weapon. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's the truth. Jesus said nothing at his trial, and that was the right thing for him to do. It made Pilate furious at one point. He said, why don't you speak to me? Don't you know that I have power to crucify you or power to set you free? And listen to Jesus' response. He said, you could have no power whatsoever against me except it were given you from above. That's right. If you can understand that, John, that's why you can hold your peace sometimes. Amen. When in situations where there's a lot of pressure and people are trying to get you to say a lot of words and do things. Now, Jesus kept from hating Pilate because he saw God was using Pilate. Here was this man who had authority from Rome to crucify this man, Jesus, he thought. But Jesus saw beyond Pilate. He saw beyond Rome to see up into the heavens where God rules among the kingdoms of men. Now, suppose the United States is overthrown by an evil nation, by evil rulers, and they, we become slaves. Any nation will never overthrow the United States until God says, overthrow the United States. Amen. Nuclear weapons are not our safety. Military readiness is not our safety. Safety is of the Lord. Amen. The United States will continue to exist as a nation so long as God decides that the United States will continue as a nation. That and only right. until then. That's right. I remember when you first uh, came around, you had an opinion about that, didn't you? I sure did. <laughs> Tell us what it was. Well, I'd been taught that if the Russians come, I was supposed to take up a weapon, and I was supposed to fight them just as hard as I could fight them. That's your godly duty. Right? It was my godly duty, and I, I was anything if I didn't fight back and try to resist them. In other words, it was your, you thought it was your Christian duty to kill as many of those invaders as, <laughs> as I could possibly could. Before you went down yourself. Before I went down myself, <laughs> right. Now tell me how you see it. Well, I see them. If they take this nation over, God has sent them, and I'm going to take and try my best to serve them just as well as I'm doing any president, any governor, any mayor that exists in the United States. Daniel, his godly duty at that time was to be a good slave. That's right. And the same situation with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They bowed their faces down to the dirt before Nebuchadnezzar. Many of the Jews, many of the pregnant women were ripped apart by Nebuchadnezzar's army. Many of the young men were slain with a sword. The old men were killed. The old women, many were taken into captivity. The holy city of Jerusalem was burned. The holy temple was invaded and desecrated and burned and torn down by that same man's army. And here's Nebuchadnezzar being bowed down to by Daniel. 
Yes. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They bowed the knee to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar told them to do something contrary to what God's will was, then, they respectfully declined. That's right. Mm -hmm. And they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we cannot bow down to your image. And I know you have power from God to throw us into that fire. And we don't know if we'll live or be burned up, but we know this. Our God is able to deliver us out of your hand. Amen. And whether we burn up or not, we are not going to bow down to that image. That's right. Mm -hmm. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. They subdued kingdoms through faith. Through faith. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That means they spent some time on their knees. Amen. Amen. And it was effective. So our duty is to do the will of God and Amen. always to war our warfare with spiritual weapons. Amen. Hmm. Jesus told us, John, to obey the laws of the land, That's right. but he didn't say whether it was going to be United States laws, Russian laws, German laws, Japanese laws. He just said obey the law. And they're supposed to pray for the leaders and authority in That's that nation, right. just like we pray for our, our leaders of our nation. Amen. And there are no elected officials in the kingdom of God. Amen. God That's appoints right. every one of them. Amen. That's right. Amen. If you're not appointed by God to be an official in His oh, kingdom, you're not there. That's it. Men cannot elect you to a place in the kingdom of God. Amen. That's right. It is a spiritual kingdom with spiritual appointments. Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So social reform movements are carnal weapons. They're carnal weapons. You resort to numbers the number of bodies, you resort to the power of money, political influence, and such as that. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible does Paul instigate a rebellion among slaves? Paul told slaves to be what? Good, Good, slaves. Slaves. Good slaves. The best slaves they could be. Yes. He told slaves to be slaves to their master as if they were serving the Lord. That's right. And he told people who had slaves to treat their slaves right like in, in fear of God. Amen. He did not tell slaveholders to turn their slaves free. He did not tell slaves to run away. He said, whatever calling you find yourself when you come to Christ, you just stay there. If God wants you out of slavery, there's not a human being on earth that will hold you down. That's right. This whole understanding of God working together all things is God working all things together for our good, not us but God working all things together for our good, and He's doing that. In uh, Romans 13, talking about earthly governments, Paul said this, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Peter said this about it. He said, Obey every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Earlier in his life, in the book of Acts, he was put on the spot. The council of the elders got together and invented this ordinance. And they told Peter, you may not preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Now, Peter has told us now, obey every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. 
But when the ordinance of man contradicts the commandment of God, you have to say what Peter said then, we ought to obey God rather than men. So we humble ourselves to the laws of the country or the state in which we live in fear of God. And it's the same fear of God that will teach us to disobey those ordinances when those ordinances contradict the moral and the spiritual commandments which God gives us. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, Paul said in Romans 13, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now, do you really believe that, Mike? Absolutely. Whatever authorities are in, in authority are there because the Lord chose them to be. What about the military dictators? They're there because the Lord chose them to be for some good purpose. You really think that God ordained at one point in Africa Idi Amin to be leader of what are, of Uganda? He didn't give you any exceptions. He said the power that be are, are ordained of God. There is no power, Paul said, but of God. Did you know that Amen. God raises up bad kings sometimes? He raised up an evil Pharaoh for a good purpose. He sure did. That Pharaoh that hated the Israelites and was determined to keep them in slavery and mistreated them and abused them, God told that Pharaoh, I raised you up. Now, friend, you have to have faith to see what I'm talking about. And it brings rest to your soul to see exactly what I'm saying. If you will really open your eyes the way that the prophet's eyes were opened, the way that Jesus taught, Paul taught, you will be given rest in your spirit from having to worry about tomorrow because we're serving the God of every day. Amen. And regardless of whatever situation we find ourselves in governmentally, Paul says this, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power. In other words, if you resort to earthly means to try to overthrow an earthly government, if you resist the power ordained by God, you're resisting the ordinance of God. This is a powerful statement here in Romans 13 too. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Now that's a strong word, or damnation. It means you'll be condemned. It means you'll be lost. Yeah. It means you'll lose your soul. Stay out of politics. Stay out of social reform movements. You can't be the light of the world in politics. You've got to be the light of the world by letting the Holy Ghost live through you. Let the fruits of the Spirit abound in you, and you will be the light of the world. There is no other way other than in spirit for you to be the light of the world. No other way to be the salt of the earth than to let the salt of heaven live in you. Be not overcome of evil but overcome evil with good. I think a man has been overcome with evil when he forsakes the ministry to go into politics. I think he's been overcome by the evil of this world. Well, I do too. By yeah, desire for earthly gain. Giving something holy up for something mundane and common. Well, it's a come down. It's a backsliding. Damn. It's a going backwards yeah. to leave a position in the kingdom of God for some kind of earth. Even to be president would be a come down. That's right. John, people that are so active in politics, and that's such a, such a rampant thing. If you really have an interest in things being right in this government, one hour of anointed prayer on your, on your knees, let the Holy Ghost pray through you with your heart and soul for this government and for the leaders of this nation, can do 10,000 times more good than one vote in a ballot box. Amen. I'll have to say amen to that. God can change 100,000 people's minds because of one prayer. Without a single bomb anywhere in this country's arsenal, Faith could turn to flight any army that was approaching if God approved of it. Amen. 
So that's why I teach Day Out of Politics. They are, they are filthy, hating, evil spirits in that just as much as in a battlefield. We're ambassadors, and ambassadors do not become involved in the politics of the country to which they are ambassadors. They would be kicked out if the ambassadors of the United Nations would start campaigning for one particular party or the other. <laughs> it'd put them in a bad shape. Jesus said, if you take up the sword, you'd perish by the sword. And he wasn't just talking about swords. The same thing can be applied to guns, machetes, boats, pea shooters, or politics. Any, any, he was mm -hmm. saying any carnal weapon. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal. Turning to politics instead of turning to faith and repentance toward God to accomplish righteousness. And you mark, my, you mark Jesus' words. They're going to perish through political developments that happen on this earth. John, how can you pray for someone who you're bitter against? You can't do it. And if somebody you don't you like forgive? is in office, they yeah. Yeah, that's right. You're bitter against them. If now we can be Democrats, or, I mean, not be Democrats or Republicans, we can pray for them. We don't have to be one or the other. Whether one politician or another gets in office, whoever gets in office, pray for them. Pray for that's them. Right. That's a tough place to be in. That's right. There's a need for prayer. Stay as neutral in as many of the things concerning earth as you can uh, stand to do, as you have the faith to do. Stay neutral. Betty, we haven't heard from you yet. Tell us what you heard the first time you heard this message, because it is a little bit radical. Well, the first time I heard you preach it, I got upset about it, because I, I just couldn't understand that God would do some of the things that he did. We, I've always been taught, I always led to believe that I blame everything that happens bad on the devil and things that happen good to me on God. Sounds familiar. Well, the Spirit spoke to me that night in 1981 and said it tickles the devil for God's people to blame him for their troubles. Mm -hmm. He wants that. He wants you to blame it on him because if you, if you charge God with responsibility, then you'll humble yourself and seek God and find out why. But as long as you're blaming the devil, you're just using him for a scapegoat. Mm -hmm. To That's keep right. from confronting right. the real issues. So many times, John, it's something in our own spiritual condition yeah. that necessitated those hard times and those, yeah. those trials. God is not a child abuser. Every one of his children is safe from spiritual abuse if they'll obey God. That's right. And, and even if they don't obey God, they're still free from child abuse because God is their father. And he chastens every he one chastens of He chastens in measure. Every single one of his children. He does do no wrong to his children. And he allows no wrong to be done to his children. So whatever situation we find ourselves in, God has a reason. If you are in a situation that is almost unbearable, seek the face of God and find out why God has put you in that position. Stop throwing it off on the devil and missing the point. That's right. Stop condemning the Russians as if they messed up the world. The Russians didn't mess up the world. The world was messed up before the Russians ever came along as a country. I mean, the world was messed up when man believed Satan's lie. That's what messed the world up. Sin right. cursed the world. Yeah. Sure. Amen. Right. Hate evil. That's the fear of God. Hate our own ignorance of God's will in our right. life. Well, Betty, what got you over the hump? When Earl got sick, I just couldn't believe that God would put such a trying time on us. Early nearly died and it I just I started really praying and you had preached a message on all things and I said, Well God, what are you trying to show me? You know, what's going on? You know, why am I feeling this way? And that's helped me by Lord dealing with me through this series of times when Earl was taken sick. What helped you about it though? It's helped me not to blame everything on the devil, but go to God for my problems and getting an answer 
for the reasons of why things are happening to me. And maybe sometimes not always an answer, but I know God's in control. And I know that the devil oh can't do anything to me except what God allows him to do. So I don't fear the devil. That's the point. That's I don't the fear the devil. Amen. If the devil is out running loose and doing whatsoever he pleases, and let me add parenthetically that the Bible doesn't say the devil is doing whatsoever he pleases. It says whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and earth. Yes, amen. God's in control of this thing. But if the, if the devil is, as most people think, out running around doing whatever he, evil he can, and God never can quite catch up, then we owe the devil much thanksgiving that he hasn't taken away any more than he has. That's right. That's not the case. That's not the case at all, fans. That's foolish. God's in charge. Your health is a gift from God. The blessings that you have are a gift from God. And your trials are a gift from God to perfect you so that you'll be, uh, you'll be brought into His holiness. We're going to continue this conversation next week. And we hope you'll join us for the next edition of this All Things series and the last in the All Things series. And we'll give you information next week on how you can order these 12 radio sermons on All Things. I'm John Clark. For all of us here at the Pioneer Broadcast, saying God bless you. Until we meet again is our prayer. He's the fragrance of heaven, the man of Welcome to this week, the last week in our series on all things. Taken from Romans 8, 28, where Paul said, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Do you love God? Are you the called according to His purpose? Well, then everything you're facing, every circumstance, every word that is spoken to you, every day, God has determined it for your good. Walk in faith. Trust in God. And you'll see it come to pass in your life. This is the Pioneer Broadcast. I'm John Clark here with my friends. We're going to continue our discussion on all things working together for your good. Stay with us, won't you? Cleanses every sinful stain. He's Jesus forever the same. He's the fragrance of heaven, the man of unleavened. He's the song of the songbirds. We're so happy you've joined us for this last week in our 12-week series on all things. And I want to take up our discussion right where we left it off last time. But first of all, I want you to know that all 12 radio programs on the topic, All Things Working Together for Your Good, are available now, and we'd like for you to order them. In those 12 weeks, we've had 10 radio sermons, one on an introduction, an introduction into the series. I told about the night when the Spirit of God spoke to me telling me that, in effect, God was working all things in my life together for my good. So I need not worry about the devil. I need not hold grudges against people. God was responsible, and God was to blame, if you want to put it like that, for every situation which confronted me. 
the Spirit of God spoke to me that night and told me that it pleases Satan when we accuse him of responsibility for what happens to our lives. And people, that made the greatest immediate change in my life than anything I know of. We've had two radio programs on Abraham, seeing his faith and trusting God to be in control of his life. One on Joseph, one on Job, one on superstition. We studied the story of Balaam. One on David and his terrible suffering, which he suffered. One on Jeremiah, and we concentrated on politics with that and many of Paul's scriptures. One on our precious Lord Jesus and how he thought that God was in control of his suffering. God put him to death for our sins. God is the one that did that to him, Jesus said. And one on the devil gave him some airtime and saw what the Bible says about the devil. There are so many myths about the devil that we just really need to be free from. We have 12 radio programs on the topic, all things working together for your good. We want you to be rooted and grounded in faith and in love. There is so much healing in this message that really calms the spirit and, and the souls of men. Well, it's from God. Yeah. God gives witness to it. That's the thing about it. Where all the other things, you're just hoping maybe this will work or that will work, and it doesn't work. But when God does a thing, it settles the issue. It's been a blessing to me, John. It seems like immediately following the message, when the Lord revealed it to you, you started preaching it in our services. Seems like within just a few months, everybody in the in the congregation had some opportunity to put this thing to test. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. I know, I know it's true with the people sitting here in the studio with us. Yeah. Betty, you mentioned something at the end of the last program we had, how that you were having some difficulty really grasping how in the world a good God could be in control or be responsible for putting us through some horrible situations. And then Earl became deathly ill to where even at the emergency room at Duke University, medical center they told you really to prepare make preparations for his funeral that's right said he could die and that helped you in a great way see god's hand in all things when a person is dying standing around getting mad at the devil is not going to help the situation that's not going to cure earl's illness that's not going to help me have faith it's just going to make me more angry that's right. So when I started realizing that God was in control, all I had to do then was fall down on my knees and pray. Say, God, what are you trying to show me? Amen. What is it I need to do? What is it I need to change? How is it I need to stand? Do I do anything or do I just stand and pray? Amen. But it helps build up your faith knowing that when you're going through a trial that God is there to help you through that trial. He's not just sticking you out there by yourself and say, uh, sink or swim, you know. He's there with you, and it helps to prepare you. Each trial you go through helps you prepare you for something else that's coming. And that's how you grow. And mm -hmm. you won't grow even knowing that God is in control if you get angry at God and not really want to understand what he's really trying to show you. Well, I don't say just angry at God. I say angry with the devil. Well, angry with the inner spirit where you won't uh, accept what God is trying to show you. You have to be really prayerful and, and um, humble for God to show mm -hmm. you things. It's like if you're traveling on a road and you got a map and you want to know where your turnoff is, well, if you're in the car with your, with your family and you got a feud going on, you're going to miss the turnoff. Amen. You know, <laughs> you're going to miss what, what, where you're supposed to turn. Man, the key there to me mm -hmm. is anger, period. It does away with being angry with angry. the devil, being angry That's with right. other people. It, it gets rid of anger so you can be mm -hmm. humble and seek God for an answer. That's right. That's right. Bla blaming the devil is really a way of saying, I'm too holy to suffer like this. Mm -hmm. This is beneath me. But it's a pride uh, in it, it, it's, really. it works against humility. It's, you know, that I have always felt, and 
I guess I was taught it when I was small, but I've always felt that God's children, if you were doing okay, you wouldn't be suffering any sickness or heartache or pain. And that's what got me so upset when Earl got sick. I just couldn't believe it because we were living the best that we could with what we had and the knowledge we had of trying to live right for God. And then he still got deathly sick. Well, when this happened, it changed my, my opinion and it just it brings a peace about it and even when trials do happen now i can take them better because i know where to go to with them amen i don't have to hold them and and harbor bitterness or hatred earl what do you think about that sickness you went through uncle joe was on the radio program with me not too long ago and he was talking about that blessed cancer that god gave him one time straightened him out before he was healed but the cancer worked the will of god in his life it did something for me that just completely changed my life around as far as Growing in the Lord, coming to understand the things of God when things are happening, that you can learn something out of a situation, that God's trying to get you to see whether it's a correction in your own spirit or whether it's correction in other people's spirit that needs to be corrected, how to obey God, continue going on, keeping His commandments while you're going through such a trial or test like that. Who to fear? When I was lying in, on my back, not knowing whether they were going to do surgery quickly, Mm-hmm. And that's going through several tests. All these things rushing into you, through your mind, where you're going to die or live or what. And I, could, and I just got tired. I just said, Lord, if I live, I'm yours. And if I die, I'm yours. And when I said that, John, the greatest peace came over me. Do you think you would have said that if you hadn't seen this truth? No. I would have been blaming someone or searching for a reason outside of what really needed to be searched for or taking it to the right place to really find an answer. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have gotten the answer. Do you think that terrible pain that you went through for maybe, what, 24 hours or I don't maybe know how long? A little over a day, yes. Do you think that was from the hand of God? Certainly was. Certainly was. Do you think there was a reason that God did that? To learn Him, if nothing else, to learn to trust Him regardless of what's going on. Amen. I, I think one thing, John, that many children of God suffer for maybe months or weeks or years is one of the reasons they suffer so long is they don't take it to the Lord quickly, hmm. straightway. Amen. Amen, Earl. Straightway and say, God, what is this for? Straightway say, this is the hand of God. God, what am I trying to learn? What do, what do you want me to do? You want me to be quiet, Lord? You want me to talk more about your truth or your love? Amen. Do you remember the face of that young woman that you and I saw coming to a prayer meeting one night? And she came, and she, and she almost had to be pulled in by her friends because she came in and she said, Oh, the devil about got me this week. I just about gave up. I just about quit. Can you remember the despair that she was feeling? Just yes, the utter I, hopelessness. I can remember that, John, and I see it on a lot of faces many, many times. And that's hurt and that's pain. And so many times those hurt and pain, it just keeps growing worse because people don't get the relief or get the right answer. Amen. Or the right directions to where to go with that pain and hurt. Isn't it, though, a spirit of hopelessness to believe that the devil is the one that's trying your faith? That he is the one that's in command of your life, of a certain situation in your life? And isn't it a great relief to understand that God is in control of what is happening to your life. That Amen. God is the one. Amen. It's healing. It's peace. It's yeah. joy. Mm. It's understanding. Mm. 
You can't have peace in your heart as long as you think the devil is in control of your life. You cannot do it. It's tormenting. It's bitterness. It's, it's, it's just horrible. It was Isaiah who said, put away the pointing of the finger. That's right. We have to go to the right source. That's part of the true fast. Yeah. Stop pointing the finger at the devil. Stop pointing the finger at your boss man saying it's his fault that you're in such a foul mood, mm -hmm. that you've lost your yeah. patience, that you spoke so badly. It's nobody's fault, friend. It's your own spiritual condition with God. And you see, God will bring the boss man to you to accuse you and to push you hard to show you that spiritually you're too weak. Mm -hmm. That you can be overcome with evil. That you will speak evil things. And it's God pushing you to show you that you need to seek His face. Amen. You need to ask. Have you ever heard anybody say, I never question God. <laughs> they, don't learn, they don't learn much, do they? <laughs> well, who are, who are we, we going to ask? <laughs> yeah. Who, I, who else ask? knows? Sadly, you heard a lot of saints say that. You sure do. Well, how are we ever going to find out what's going on with our lives if we don't ask God, the one that's in control of it? Friend, if you're going through a hard time, ask. Ask God why. Seek to know why. He's the one with the answer. And the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Amen. You know what I love about this message? It's so true. It's true in all times in history. That's right. We're recording this message sometime in, in late uh, 89s, in November, and it won't be in the air until sometime early in 1990, probably. And no matter what the world situation is at that time, and I have no idea what it will be, and I, know, I don't have any idea in the years to come when people hear this message what the political or the or geologic situation of this earth will be, but every bit of it's going to be God's fault. Every bit of it's That's going right. to be God's Amen. working out. Amen. I won't say God's fault because He doesn't have fault. It's going to be God's work. It's going to be God's response to man's righteousness or to his sin, one or the other. Mm -hmm. God will be the one responsible for whatever happens on this planet. It's His planet. It's His creation. That's right. And there is no other God but He. So whatever your situation is now, whatever your situation is or will be in the future, ask God why. Seek the face of God. He is the one responsible for what's happening. Mike, you mentioned something one time about when you first heard this message, you couldn't really go with it because you were thinking about our mother. Well, at the time the Lord revealed this to you, our mother was dying with cancer. Yeah. And you, the, that first night seems like the emphasis was search your soul for the cause of your situations first and seek God for a way out. Mm -hmm. All I could see was, well, I wonder what mama's done wrong to have cancer. Some other people felt that way, too. Some people have never come back to our services since that night in 1981 when I preached this message because they felt that I was hitting at our mother because she had just been diagnosed with cancer. But God is my witness, Mike. I, I looked at her in the face, and I looked at everybody else in the face when I was preaching that message the first night, and her illness, her particular sickness, never came to my mind. Now, that is, that's unusual because for 35 consecutive weekdays, for seven weeks, five days a week, I drove her from Henderson, North Carolina, to Duke University Medical Center for radiation treatments. I had just completed that 35-day period, and so I knew she was suffering with cancer. But nobody's particular situation was in my mind. I was so overjoyed at seeing this, so full of the love and the peace that it brought, no individual came to my mind the whole night I was preaching this sermon. 
And yet some people left there thinking I was just trying to say my mother was an evil person and she had brought this on herself. And Well, I knew that wasn't, wasn't true. So I, well, I went home and got thinking about it and came back over to your house. Sure did. After the service, I said, and during our conversation, I brought up about mama's condition. It seemed like it was new information to you. I hadn't thought about that in relationship to this, but it would apply. That's what you told me. Oh, everything applies. This, this covers all things. When Paul said all things are working together for our good, all things are. Amen. All things Think of something, my friend, that's real bad in your life. God is in control of that, and He is using that to make you perfect, to perfect your faith, to teach you the truth, to show you weaknesses in your own spiritual condition that you're going to have to get rid of. You're going to have to overcome that spiritual weakness in order to overcome the spirits down the road that want to rob you of your hope. And God will put you in situations that show up your weaknesses for your good. Take it quickly to God. When you see that weakness pop up, take it quickly to God. After all, He already knows it. Amen. And He's just waiting for you to ask for help. Amen. It's on the way. Amen. I mean, God is right there ready. Amen. Jesus is ready. Yes, he, is. he doesn't have to, after you get, get your request, go through a, a paper processing thing. I mean, there's no red tape with Jesus. Ask, and it shall be given. If you need spiritual strength, ask. Ask. Mike, what you got there in 1 Samuel? Well, there's a scripture in the 1 Samuel 2nd chapter that just kind of puts every, our conversation together to me. It says, Talk no more so exceeding proudly, Amen. saying, I'm too holy to suffer. This can't be God. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. Amen. There's some good reason for it. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. So things can change. Nebuchadnezzar found that out when he would walk, walk the fields like an animal. They that were full have hired out themselves for bread, and they that were hungry ceased, so that the barren hath borne seven, and she that hath many children is waxed feeble. This is the key right here. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. That's what Moses said. He bringeth down to the grave... And bringeth up. He sure does. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. Amen. 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 So God is in charge. Let me make a comment about that speaking arrogantly. I think that it's a matter of arrogance and pride when a person says that the devil's been wrestling with them all that week. The devil virtually never wrestles with anybody. Yeah. Because God doesn't match us up with anything that's stronger than our spiritual strength. Amen. The devil wrestled with Jesus in a, spirit. A messenger I, of Satan. I believe Paul wrestled with him. There are very few people who have ever grown up in God far enough for God to put them up against the devil. I think it's a demonstration of pride for a person to say they've been wrestling the devil all week. God doesn't do that to us children. We have to be greatly, greatly anointed of God to be able to face the, Satan's wisdom and his spiritual strength. Satan does not... It, so I think it's, it's really a backwards way of bragging. It is. I am, it is. Amen. I am uh, as deep as Jesus, so God put me up against the devil this week. Mm -hmm. I am another Paul, so God put me up against the devil. Mm -hmm. Really, the... When, when people say they've wrestled the devil this week, it's usually nothing but, their, but God and their, their own spirits in, in a wrestling match. God is the one who tries our faith. I mentioned a few minutes ago, Uncle Joe, before you walked in the door and joined us here, about how you mentioned uh, that you had received a blessed cancer from God not too long ago. Tell us something about that. Well, 
wife and I had been married for about five years, and we had a disagreement, separated. She went to California, and I went out there and stayed out there about six months and came back and went to Florida. And while I was down there, the Lord blessed me with a cancer. <laughs> now, why do you say blessed you with one? Well, because we were out of the will of God. We were not doing what we should have done. Think you would have ever gotten back into the will of God and gotten back with Aunt Myrtle if God hadn't treated you? Never had any idea of ever seeing her again. But God had an idea you he were going did. to see her again. He was not satisfied with us being apart. Praise God. Amen. And, and after you returned to North Carolina and began to seek the face of God, and you were in uh, Veterans Hospital in Durham, North Carolina, and God sent an angel to your room right. and anointed you for your healing. God not only healed you of that cancer, and that was a blessing too. Amen. But he got uh, you and Myrtle together again. He took me out of the pig pen that I was in down in Florida, living with a bunch of winos, picking oranges, and just living from hand to mouth. Amen. And God took me out of that situation by having the cancer and brought me to the hospital where I was treated like a king. How about that? Friend, enjoyed it. Enjoyed being there. Praise Amen. God. This may sound strange to some of you listening to us, but it is not strange when your faith is in God rather than the devil. Amen. Amen. That's the truth. God doesn't allow, please listen to this, God does not allow one single circumstance into your life. Unless it is for your good. Amen. That's true. That's it right. takes faith to believe that. It really does. He, if you believe that, you will never hold another grudge against another human being as long as you live. If you really believe that, you will never be bitter again. Mm -hmm. If you really believe that, it will be from your heart to pray for your enemies. John, I've got something else I want Go to ahead. say. After I had was delivered of that cancer and went back to work, worked 17 years with the Durham City School Maintenance Department in Durham, North Carolina. I had a heart attack, and uh, and the second time I felt it coming on, I had medication in my pocket that the doctor had given me to take, and I stuck one of those nitroglycerin tablets under my tongue and went around and sat down in the shade of a oak tree on the front steps of the school I was working in. And that thing came on me, and I felt felt so near to God, God was there speaking to me. And as I was started getting easy, I heard a voice, a calm, soft voice say to me, you'll never be able to hate another person as long as you live. Praise I God. feel that now. Amen. I can't, you, in the love of God, you can't hate That's people. Right. You can hate sin, but you can't hate people. Because God loves people and hates sin. Amen. Well, when, when you understand this message, that God is working all things together for your good, mm. all you can see is God. Amen. Mm. All you can see in every circumstance in your life is God. God, friend, is going to supply your every need according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Some of you out there need good spankings. Amen. God's going to supply it. That's right. Give what when you it, need. Yes. When it comes, don't blame it on the devil and miss the point. Amen. You know why Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians? Jeremiah told us. He told us that God's people had ceased receiving correction. In other words, when God tried to correct them, it's in Isaiah the first chapter, 150 years before he finally gave up the nation to the foreigners, he said, I have beaten you black and blue. Your whole body is covered with sores where I've beaten you. He said, why should I continue to chastise you anymore? You won't receive it. You blame the heathen. You blame the devil. You blame one another. You blame my prophets. It's me. I am the one. Mm -hmm. Let's look to God and ask Him why we're going Amen. through the things we're going Amen. through because Amen. He is the one who's putting us through it. He is. Some of you listening to me need suffering. 
Jesus was made perfect by the things that he suffered. Some of you are on easy street and you need to be you need to pray that God would get you off there so you can seek his face. Amen. Some of you have too much money. Most of you don't have enough. God has a point in every bit of that. Scarcely any man has enough of the chastening of God. I pray constantly, God don't give up on me. Amen. God don't give up on me. Please Amen. Please chastise me, because the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, Amen. and he scourges every son that he receives. But if you don't receive that correction as being correction from God, you know what the Bible calls you? It calls you a bastard. It's in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Right. If you don't receive chastisement, which all God's sons receive, or receive from God, but some of them reject it as not being from God, others will humble themselves. But if you reject it, the Bible calls you a bastard. And that's and a pretty bad thing in the kingdom of God. That means mind. you'll lose your soul. You need these 12 radio sermons on all things working together for your good so that you can love people the way you've always wanted to, mm -hmm. so that you can go to bed at night with enough peace, the kind of peace you've always wanted. And I want you to send for these 12 radio sermons and these last two weeks we've had discussions on what it really means to worship God and honor Him with responsibility for everything that's happening to your life. You need to think about God the way Joseph did. You need to think about God the way Jesus thought about Him. You need to think about God and see Amen. God the way Job saw Him mm -hmm. so that you can overcome your trials the way they overcome, overcame their trials and were greatly blessed by God. You need to know God the way they knew God. That's how they overcame their trials. It'll change your life for a good thing. It did me. Yes. When God spoke to me in October and told me that it tickled the devil for me to go around blaming my troubles on him, I had the greatest relief. I'd walk down the street laughing, find myself just rolling out of my innermost being, just this deep laughter. Glenn, how did it change you? It just relieved me of all the things that I would be blaming the devil and all thought all this sickness and the glory you had was coming was coming from the devil. That not everything bad that came to my life, the reason why I didn't have, maybe have as much money, uh, that was the devil's fault. And it, all it done was make me see, well, Lord, I just haven't brought this stuff to you and asked you about it, talked to you about it. Amen. This is, you're the one that's in control of it. Why not talk to you about it? Why not talk to the one that's in control? Yeah. Instead, instead of one that doesn't yeah. have anything to do with yeah. it. Yeah. The devil can't so much as stick his tongue out at you unless God says stick the tongue. Stick out. your tongue. And then he's got it. to keep it out until God says take, take it back. Take it back right. in. Right. God's in control. Well, let's that's talk what, to God until God. That's the it. devil's sticking his tongue out yes, at me, God. <laughs> Why? What is this all about? Hey, and John, the results is evident. Now, Gloria isn't totally healed, but the relationship is getting better between us. Amen. The, the, the thing about she's starting to feel better, I'm able to help her through, through some hard times. I wasn't able to do this before. Amen. I wasn't able to do it.